Morning, everyone. Lovely to see you here. So uh, this, this summer, we're looking at memes. And if you're not familiar with what a meme is, here's an example. There you go. This is an example of a meme. Chuck Norris doesn't turn on the shower. He stares at it until it starts to cry. If, if you laugh at that, then uh, you understand what a meme is. If you don't, then uh, just search meme on the internet and you'll uh, come up with some really funny ones. But memes, memes like this are great for a laugh. Um, and I love you know, the Chuck Norris ones because they're so absurd, but they're really, really funny. But this summer, what we're looking at is not these kinds of memes. We're looking at actually other memes, uh, short sayings that can change our lives and that, that are easily remembered and easily passed from person to person. That's kind of what a meme is. We're looking at memes that matter in the book of Proverbs. Now, when I was a kid, um, life was full of excitement and mystery. And maybe you can do me a favor and try to remember what it was like to be a kid with life full of excitement and mystery where the summer holiday would seem to stretch on forever and ever. Uh, we were staying with friends in in Germany in a place called Heiterbach, and uh, they lived in a parsonage, an old parsonage. He was a Lutheran pastor. And I remember sleeping in a tiny little wooden hidden room with a sloping ceiling. I still remember that because life was full of mystery and full of excitement. And I have uh, really vivid memories of walks with my grandma and seeing these steps. I've, I've shared with them with you. I've shared about these with you in the past, but these steps in the park that led down from the ground level to an underground door that was always locked. We were told that a wolf lived there, and, uh, and I just literally found out a couple of weeks ago, not that a wolf didn't live there, because I figured that out a while ago, but that this was actually an air raid shelter from World War II. But for me, this was just the lair of Red Riding Hood's nemesis. Life was full of mystery and wonder. And then I remember going out with, with my mates on our bikes for all of the day, you know, just riding around in the summertime. And I remember living life with an expectation that adventure is just around the corner, waiting for me to stumble into it. What if there are hidden passageways, just waiting for my fingers to find the latch? What if there are hordes of treasure that are waiting for me to find it? And then I grew up, just like Mr. Peter Banning in the movie Hook, and I realized that magic gets swallowed by the everyday, and that treasure gets buried under monthly bills. We trade in our treasure map for lovely table manners. And we exchange living for wonder for living for the weekend. But then last week I read about this guy, Matt Cook. He lives in Australia and he owns a shop that sells supplies to gold prospectors, which I think sounds like a rather cool job. And not very long ago, someone walked into his shop with a nugget. It's the size of a pack of smokes and this guy walked into Matt Cook's shop with this nugget and a big smile on his face. It weighed that thing that size. It's not very big, but it weighed 1.4 kilograms. Okay, and it was worth about 100,000 
Australian dollars, which is about 93,000 of our dollars. He found treasure. Now, we don't know who this man is. Uh, We don't know what his name is, but we do know that he walked into Matt Cook's shop. And this man, of course, wisely kept his mouth shut about what his name is. But what we do know is that he had a chunk of gold in his fist that he found about 18 inches under the surface of the ground. And we also know that he's now 93,000 bucks richer than he was. He's a legitimate treasure hunter. Now, there's, there's another treasure hunter, this time from the movies, and his name is Captain Jack Sparrow, and he reminds us, oh, Jake, does it keep moving, or? Okay, I'll take care of it from here, Jake. That's awesome, but I love your anticipation. If you can just go back to, to Jack Sparrow, that would be awesome. Let's give Jake a hand, because he's doing an awesome job. <laughs> All right. But from, but from now on, I'll uh, take control from here. That's awesome, mate. So, but what Jack Sparrow says, and this is my best Jack Sparrow voice, not all treasure is silver and gold, mate. Okay, let's all say that together in our best Jack Sparrow voice. Ready? One, two, three. Not all treasure is silver and gold, mate. Yeah, you're rubbish. That's okay. And we would agree with him, right, that not all treasure is silver and gold. Not all treasure can be held in the hand or valued on the international exchange. Um, But what would happen if we became treasure hunters for things that we could never lose? What would happen if we became not a gold digger, but a God digger? What would happen if we cultivated the spirit of the explorer that we had when we were kids, when we thought that anything is actually possible? We can find anything. It's just around the corner. We just have to keep on looking. What if we became not pirates of the Caribbean, but pirates of God's wisdom? A pirate for wisdom and wonder. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. We won't read it all, but uh, on verse 3, as you're turning to Proverbs chapter 2, this is what it says. It says, indeed, if you call out for insight and you cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as for silver and you search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Amen. So these verses, what they, what they show us is that you will find, you will, it's a promise, a promise, a promise, you will find insight and understanding, but only through understanding the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God, verse 4. So the route to wisdom is through knowing God. And it's very key that we understand this. Our longing for wisdom, if you've ever longed for wisdom, if you keep going down that road, ultimately it leads to God himself. If you're sincerely looking for wisdom, then you will find wisdom and his name is Jesus Christ. And verse 3 shows us someone who's shouting out in need, someone who's crying, who's who's. Shouting at the top of their lungs, I need insight. God, would you give me understanding? 
So do you have this hunger? Is this yearning driving you to your knees with a shovel in your hand, as verse 4 tells us? Are you digging until your muscles ache, till your knees are raw? Is your landscape littered with holes and pits as you search for this indescribable treasure? Is your brow wet and are your eyes stinging from the sweat? If so... Don't give up. Keep searching for him. Keep searching. Keep longing. C.S. Lewis says, says this. It would seem that our Lord finds our passions not too strong, but he finds them too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea we are far too easily pleased so are your passions too weak Are you too easily pleased with the things of this world? We saw yesterday those things of this world, they're in your house, and then they end up in a giveaway, then they end up in someone else's house, and then they end up in in a yard sale, then they end up in someone else's house, and then they end up in a thrift store, and then they end up in a landfill site. That's what happens. Are you too easily pleased with the things of this world? For, for the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the Israelites will turn and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. Hosea chapter 3 verse 4 and 5. And what Hosea is saying in this verse is that God will remove those things that we love more than him. Those things that have replaced him in our lives. It is his grace that causes him to do surgery on our lives. Because he knows that the best place for your life is with him right smack at the center. And what is the result of God weaning us from the influence of these idols in our lives? Verse 5 says, we, we will return and seek the Lord When those idols have been removed, we will return and seek the Lord. We will come trembling to him. We will start crying aloud for wisdom and seeking this relationship with God with fervency like its treasure in the ground. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? With all your heart. I will be found by you. This is a promise from God and I will bring you back from captivity, Jeremiah 29, 13 to 14. So where does chapter 2 of this book of Proverbs fit into the larger book? Well, here's a little factoid that might help us understand, okay? So what Proverbs 2 is, is a summary of the whole of the book, Okay, it's a contents page that actually points you to other parts of the book. So as you read a verse in Proverbs chapter 2, that verse is repeated somewhere else in the book of Proverbs. For example, um, 
chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands in you, that's exactly the same as Proverbs chapter 7, verse 1. And then you have Proverbs chapter 2, verse 2, that sounds very similar to two, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 3, has the same theme as chapter 8, verse 1. And chapter 3, verse 14, recalls chapter 2, verse 4. On and on it goes. That's just a few few examples. And so what we can do is we can consider Proverbs chapter 2 as the index page, as the contents page for the rest of the book. Of, of, for the rest of the book. It's a bit of a, a Coles Notes version. So it's really handy. Plus, as you read through, you might see, and if you don't have your Bible open to Proverbs chapter 2, I'd encourage you to look now so that you can see uh, whether what I'm saying is true. I'd rather you read the Bible than listen to me. Um, but but you might have noticed that Proverbs chapter 2 is set, set up in, in pairs. So you got my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands with you. Uh, next one says turning your ear to wisdom and applying your, your heart to understanding. And on and on it goes. So the whole of the chapter is set up in pairs. One pair, then another, then another, all the way through. And each of the 22 pairs match up with one of the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So there's a whole lot going on here that we might miss, right? That we, we've now found out that Proverbs chapter 2 is the contents page of the whole of the book. We found out that it's set up in pairs, and we found out that each pair starts with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So What? Nice little factoid, so what? So what indeed? Well, could it be that God wants you to know that this book, which we so skim over and we don't really pay much attention to, that its A to Z could be uh, useful for the A to Z of your life? It's all in there. You just have to read it. You just have to live it out. What this means is that whatever situation you are going to, including that one that's in your mind right now, whatever situation you are going to, regardless of the specifics, you can, as verse 9 of chapter 2 tells us, understand what is right and just and fair, each and every good path, for wisdom will enter your heart. Okay, That's what you can experience in your life. Because... God, he doesn't just want to give you like a pick-me-up on a Sunday morning. You know, you're here for your hour, you hear a message which may or may not be okay, and then you leave, okay? That's not what he wants so that you're somehow able to eke your way through the rest of the drudgery of the week, okay? That's not what God wants for your life. No, God has an A to Z solution for your life, and it's found here, written in the Bible, and in this specific case, in the book of Proverbs, and in this specific, specific case, in chapter 2 of the book of Proverbs. Amen? Amen? Amen. So, Monday morning, open your Bible and start reading it. Start calling out for insight. Start verbalizing your prayer. Start crying aloud. You know, I know that many of us don't like praying out loud and so we have this relationship with God that exists in the cranium of our heads. 
And yet sometimes it's good if you're on your own, maybe no one's around or you're with someone who you love and trust for you just to pour out your heart, verbalize what's happening because that's what it says here. It says to call out for insight. It doesn't say think quietly and sensibly and Canadianly in your head and don't offend anyone. Okay, that's not what it says. It says call out for insight. It says start to get a bit rambunctious in your prayers. Start treasure hunting. Start really digging for God, and he promises that you will find him. Become a pirate for wisdom and for wonder. So what God's saying here is that this is the way that you can succeed at life. Here is the way that you can know not just wisdom, but me. Can you just even try to wrap your head around this? God is saying that you can know me. This is how you can understand the fear and the respect of the Lord. But I wonder if you notice something in chapter 2. Is that the promises that are made have some small print. Except it's not small print because it's there. It's really big print. But they are really conditions. Which God has said. He says, if, then, if, then. And it's as if... What Solomon is saying is that for is saying that the promises of verse five and nine can be yours and all for the low one time price of verses one through four. Okay? So let me explain. First of all, his first promise is this verse five you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of, of the knowledge of God. Or in simpler terms, you will know God. You will know God himself. Not God as you make him, but God as he is. God as he reveals himself. And then the second promise is in verse 9. So look at verse 9. It says, you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path. These are the promises. In, so God says, you will know me and you will know life. And what are the conditions to this amazing deal of a lifetime? Knowing God and knowing life. Well, that's verses 1 through 4. Accepting God's words, storing up his words, turning your ear to wisdom, applying your heart to, to, to understanding, calling out for insight, crying aloud for, for understanding, looking for it as for silver, searching for it as for hidden treasure. These are the conditions to verse 5 and 9. In other words, you get out of life what you put into life, right? That's a maxim that we all understand so, so verses 1 through 4 are all action words, right? Accepting, storing, turning, uh, calling, crying, looking, searching. These are all action words. And so as you chase after this wise life, this wise life in which you know God and you know life, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for someone who just says, well, I'm going to be half-hearted about it. It requires a choice that you have to make. It, it requires that you have to make a priority list. And you need to ask yourself, not do I have what it takes for this life, because that's not the question here. It's not about if you have what it takes. But, it's, but, but you have to ask yourself, do I want this? Am I hungry for this life? Do I want to know God and life really badly? If so, verse 1 through 4 will be your life. You see, as, as long as you're willing to do life with God 
as a side dish, then you will keep on stumbling and falling and screwing up. You will keep on living a life that is off-center, not quite as it should be because you're not living according to your designer's instructions. This lordship issue in your life has to be sorted out. And the second part of chapter 2, verses 12 to the end, paints a sobering picture of what life without God looks like. So let's have a look. Last, last week, we, we learned that wisdom is walking with Jesus. And those who choose not to walk according to the wisdom of God, well, they are destined to live one of two, or, or a life... Um, enslaved to one of, one of two masters. And uh, these, these are the two masters, either public peer pressure or seduction of secret sin. Okay, These are the two masters which if you're not walking with Jesus, you're choosing enslavement to one of these, these two things. And so verse 12 through 15 shows us that wisdom, that knowing God and knowing life saves us from enslavement to this first one, to public peer pressure. It helps us to see the mob mentality for what it is. It, it, it lets us have these lenses that we can wear that we realize that just because something is maybe public policy and some, just because something is now socially acceptable, that it doesn't mean that it's right and just and fair as verse 9 shows us. So a mind and heart that is ordered by, by the timeless words of God, a, 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 a mind and heart that has Jesus as Savior can say this, I know that the current wave of so-called enlightened public opinion is going this way, but I choose not to check out my brain at the door and, and simply go with the crowd. Instead, I will use this God-given wisdom that is in me and is mine in Jesus Christ, and I will assess this issue myself. I will weigh it myself. You see, it's wisdom that helps us to navigate really important issues like maybe abortion, like euthanasia, like, um, you know, Things like that where we are told you have to think in a particular way, but what we read in the Bible is, no, you don't. You can make your own mind up according to what we read in the Word. And so wisdom helps us to reject this wave, you know, and the weight of public peer pressure. And it also helps us to resist the... Uh, sin in our lives, this secret sin. Now, my, my girls are at this age where, where their friends are getting cell phones, right? And, uh, and they're expected to have a cell phone, and they want a cell phone. And up until now, Wendy and I have resisted. Um, none of our girls have their own cell phones yet, because I think that they're maybe a bit too young to wisely engage with this powerful, life-transforming thing in their hands, you know. However, my friend Willie has, he also has a daughter that's the same age as my youngest, and he's let her have a cell phone. And on, and on Facebook, Willie explains his rationale like this. He says, our firstborn celebrates her ninth birthday today, and it's with some trepidation that we decided to give her a mobile phone to her on her birthday. 
albeit with a whole range of restrictions over usage, over content, and over accountability. But, gasp, isn't a nine-year-old way too young to start owning a mobile phone? Imagine her accessing inappropriate content and creepy characters, waiting to pounce upon her and to groom her. These are still his words. But it's, but, and then he says this, but it's precisely how this Gen Z or alpha generation will grow up in such a vastly different online world as compared to our childhood that we've decided to help her gradually navigate and gain mastery over the internet through this longer runway than the other way around when the floodgates open on her later. And then he ends with his thought with this. And we earnest, earnestly pray for godly wisdom in this as we look to Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not leave it. So here we have two families uh, who are trying to look at the Bible and trying to live out the Bible wisdom from the Lord in a similar circumstance and we end up with he's doing this thing and we're doing this thing. So for Willie's family, this is the route that they are going to give her the phone and to teach her to, choose, to use it wisely. For us, we say, let's wait a bit older until they're, you know, and while we're waiting, let's try to teach some really valuable in, um, principles while we wait. But the desire to want to look after our kids and to raise them in a godly way are the foundations of both of our decisions. So I'm not saying that allowing an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old a cell phone is a bad thing, but what I do know this is that if I had unfettered access to a smartphone when I was a horny teenager, I can imagine how much worse my, my problem with lust would have been as a teenager. Because it was awful as it was with just the PG-13 movies and, uh, you know, like, it was hard enough then. So what would have happened if I'd have had this phone in my hand that I could have accessed anything with no one knowing about it? So I thank God that I did not have a smartphone when I was that age. And so I know what that wayward woman with her, her, her words looks and sounds like as we read in that, in, in that part of uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 2. And verse 14 says that her house leads where? Leads down to death. And so I still don't, I'm 39 years old and I still don't allow myself free access to what's on the internet. I've still placed walls around my life and, and I have a gatekeeper, I have a friend who's, who've, who've, I said, you, 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 can, you, you can ask me whenever you want, that whatever website I go onto on my phone, he can see it. And that simple act of accountability brings me into the light. And it's a lot harder for me to use this phone as an aid for sin. Luke chapter 6 verse 45 says this. Let's read it all together. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So... What are you, so what you are bringing out of your life is what you are digging up, right? And this is true whether you're a teenager or a grown-up, whether you're a man 
or a woman, whether you're a son or a daughter or a father or a mother, that you have a responsibility to resist public peer pressure and the seduction of, of secret sin. And Proverbs chapter 2, this is so cool because what it tells us is that you don't just have the responsibility, but it's a possibility as well. That it is something which you can achieve. It is attainable. So regardless of what sin has you backed into the corner right now, you can know freedom. You can know the joy of a clear conscience through walking with Christ. And you might feel like you're lost in this labyrinth of sin. You might look respectable here this this morning and we're all fooled but you know what's really going on inside your life you might feel like you're lost in this labyrinth and you don't know which way's up which way's down anymore you might feel that you're walking in the dark ways of the wicked men of verse 12 or, or that you're being dragged along by the siren call of this adulterous woman in verse 16 but that can stop your direction can change and it all starts with crying out for wisdom, crying out for knowledge, calling out for the source of wisdom and knowledge, to know God, not just in a Wikipedia sense, but in a relational sense, to know that he is a good God and to experience his wonderful beauty, to fall in love with him again. That's where this starts. And it requires using whatever power and energy you've been using on gratifying your sinful nature. It instead, it, it, it requires re- redirecting that to excavating for treasure. It means maybe putting down that smartphone and lifting up the Bible and seeing where does X mark the spot here in the word of God It means lifting up a shovel. It means becoming a pirate for Jesus. God holds success in store for the upright. He's a shield for those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the ways of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Which is not very encouraging, because if you're anything like me, I look at that verse and I go, okay, but I don't feel very upright right now. And I know that I'm not really blameless right now. And if you were to ask me to uh, sum myself up, I would not say that I'm just. I wouldn't say that I'm faithful. But that's okay because verse 7 and and 8 of Proverbs chapter 2, if these are the entry requirements into the blessed life, then we all fail every day, every single one of us, myself included, which is why... It's so important for us to realize that this life with Jesus is never about what we can do, but it's all about what Jesus has already done for us. Jesus is our uprightness. Jesus is our blamelessness. Jesus is our justice. Jesus is our faithfulness. He's the one who fulfills all of these requirements because we are not able to. Remember last week, that we read Proverbs, uh, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. Let's read, this all, let's read this all together. It is because of him, God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. And I thank the Lord for verses like this. 
Because what this means is that if you're sitting here right now, and if you're living for the world or for the things of this world, if you've left the straight paths and are walking in the dark ways of verse 13, if you are following this woman to the place from which there is no return, there is still hope. And this is your hope. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him. Remember that? Call on him. Cry out to him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord. And here's the promise. He will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. So why not become a pirate for wisdom and for wonder? Become a pirate for Jesus in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Colossians chapter 2 verse 2. Jesus in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So you, you have to study the Bible like a treasure map. You have to find out where he is and you have to go there. You have to dig him up. You have to seek him out. You have to search for him because finding Jesus is the greatest adventure call for him cry for him because he is the treasure beyond all value he's the pearl of greatest price because where your treasure is there your heart will be also luke 12 34